Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom. Oh, yes. And I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So, you know how we do around here. I'd like for you to stick with me because we're going to be taking advantage, oh, yes, indeed, of the fact that we are on lockdown and we're going to be wise so that when we emerge, we emerge even better. So, join me on the flip as we get to talking about some wisdom on how and what to work on for your personality. Mm -hmm. I said it. I'm talking to you and me. I'll see you soon. All right, let's get to it, she says, rubbing her hands together. It is time for us to take advantage of this time that we have to start working on stuff that we normally don't have time to work on. And wisdom says it's better to be prepared now when you don't need it than to not be prepared when you need it. Okay, well, yeah, that's just common sense. I think I'm being Captain Obvious. But anyway, let's get into it. So I was um, interacting with one of my uh, nieces on social media and she posted something that I found was very interesting. And I've talked about a lot of this stuff in different podcasts over the past. And I was like, you know what? It's time to revisit it. So today I want to talk about how we can continue to grow our personalities and why it's important. So even though we are on lockdown, social distancing and the like, one of the things that is really starting to show is people's either inability or rustiness when it comes to being personable and knowing how to interact with people. Now, of course, we can try to blame it on different age groups, generations, and we can also try to blame it on technology and the like and how we've been used to interacting on apps all the way from dating apps to online gaming apps and all of that. But when it comes down to it, it is a foundational need that we all must understand how to not only be good citizens, but how to be a good person who's able to interact. I've talked about uh, in the past how to be a good conversationalist, a good listener. I've even talked about the five big personality types uh, with the acronym OCEAN. We'll revisit those a little bit today. And I've also even talked about the situation that we find ourselves in as side effects of dating apps and the paradox of choice. We'll touch on that today as well. But right now, what I want to do is I want to give you the uh, framework, yeah, 
I think that's probably a good way of saying it. The framework to start working on who you are and when you not when you don't necessarily get so dinged for it and only reason why I'm even bringing this up is because there was another conversation I wasn't having it I was uh, watching it unfold online and it was a conversation of uh, people on one of the social media uh, links who was talking about having a difficult time working from home in the house with their significant other and how it has caused acrimony to set up. And the person wasn't sure how to change or how to get over the fact that a lot of stuff is starting to annoy them in their situation. And I don't have, I don't pretend to be an expert on this stuff at all. I really don't. All I know is that I can share with you what wisdom has been showing me. And that is to start dealing with all of those those shadow parts that that show up. I'm currently interacting with people online a lot uh, through uh, training that I'm currently uh, doing, as well as uh, through working with some possible new partnerships to do some things. And I'm starting to see, you know, a little fraying around the edges uh, myself. And so why not share the fact that, hey, Wisdom is here to help us. So the first thing I want to deal with is the sense of uh, stress and strain. We don't seem to realize that stress and strain of new situations uh, do a lot to impact how we're able to handle ourselves and handle others. Things that normally wouldn't affect you tend to overshadow everything and you, and you get to the point where you start nitpicking and fixating on stuff that just drives you up a wall. And it is not necessarily that the person is doing anything new to irritate you. It's just possibly that because your environment has changed and now you are able to devote more attention to things that normally you wouldn't have time to, You're noticing, I don't like that. That irritates me. Or they always do that. Or my gosh, you know, those types of things. It's kind of like when you uh, notice a a repetitive sound, you know, in your home that you used to not notice, but because it's now gotten really quiet, you notice it. And now it drives you crazy. Those kinds of things. And I want you to be willing to, first and foremost, acknowledge that those things are there. Because one of the things we don't want to happen, we definitely do not want a situation to set up of contempt. Because contempt is the big daddy of of destruction when it comes to relationships, whether it be romantic, uh, work-wise, children, family, relatives, friends. When there's contempt, it's the death nail. It is where you start really having to look and see if there's anything salvageable. And so let me just give you a quick little um, uh, vignette, not vignette, a a quick little uh, snapshot of ways to know if there is um, warning signs that you need to work on your personality. Okay. And so with the personalities that we have, they're normally going to be an amalgamation of our disposition, 
that is naturally ours, the impact of our environment, past and present, and the interaction that we have with other people. And I've said this in other podcasts and I'll say it now. There are going to be personality types and expressions of personality that are going to try us. And some people know the personality types that they need to use a little more energy to deal with. And some people are oblivious. And right now, I'm going to say that it gets to the point where you have to get better at recognizing what triggers you, who triggers you, and possibly why they trigger you. Because it causes us to immediately flip, regress, or escalate our animosity, our our, um, issues that we have that are going to cause us to do possibly irreparable uh, damage to those relationships. And especially if you are uh, needing to have that relationship to be able to continue to have a livelihood. So let's unpack this a little bit, okay? All right. So there are some general things that people will agree on uh, with regards to personality. And that being, as I said, the big five personality types. Now, it's a five-factor model. And the way to remember it is the acronym OCEAN. And it stands for openness to experience for the O, conscientiousness for the C, extroversion for the E, agreeableness for the A, and neuroticism for the N. And Depending on how open or closed you are in these different areas will dictate your personality and how you're perceived. And I don't know what it is, but it seems like every person that I've ever worked with who uh, incorporate, who was above me, seemed to have a contrary, conscientious and neurotic mix to mine. And it was just like, oh, um, the micromanaging, the uh, nitpicking and all of that. It, it just would drive me, it would drive me just up a wall. And it wasn't until I started learning the five personality traits that it started clicking with me on how to, quote unquote, manage up, not punch up, but manage up so that I could have a better relationship with these people, (laughs) as well as having uh, the semblance of an agreeable personality. Okay, so let me go back really quickly and do um, a, a summary of what these stand for in case they are not obvious. So openness to experience, that's usually going to be how inventive or curious you are as opposed to how cautious or consistent you are. And my openness to experience, it veers more towards the curious and inventive side. The conscientiousness. Now, this this is the part, this right here. (laughs) And the reason why I'm, I'm giving a little pepper to this one is because for years, this used to be the bane of my existence. Um, I actually have family members where their conscientiousness level is quite different from mine. And um, depending on where you are on this slide, you will possibly think some people are, are not 
uh, being serious or taking things too lightly or don't have a sense of urgency when that can be further can't be further than the truth. So with conscientiousness, what it is, is on the one hand, it's how efficient and organized you are versus how easygoing and careless you may appear. And I'm going to say, just because someone is easygoing does not immediately equate that to carelessness. Um, And that has been in my experience, some of the the, um, the contention that I seem to have with, with with people who are very much into the efficient and organized. And the reason why I say that is because there is this thing that is coupled with that, and that is this high need to control not only them, but everyone. And they want everyone to be as tightly organized if as you know if you want to say it that way as possible and just because you're organized does not necessarily mean you are efficient i can point out many people who seem to be organized and they're just organized at being busy they don't get things done but they can they can tell you all the different whatevers and they you know but anyway i digress um <laughs> let's move on because this ain't about my issues today well yeah it is but you understand. Let's move on. So with the E, that extroversion, and it's like you think, uh, is how either outgoing and energetic you are versus how uh, solitary and reserved you can be. And extroversion has morphed into something else uh, for me and a lot of people who are understanding that a lot of times people think they might be a, a closet extrovert, but it's really you're more ambivert where you're you do fine when you're out in public but you you require and need your alone time. I mean, I'm I'm one of those and it was freeing to get that understanding because I don't receive my fuel from being around people all the time. I actually when I I I have to do that. I need time to go and regroup alone and to get away. And so that was Another something that I had to look at and realize that I had to tweak it. And it and when I did it, it helped me to understand uh, my colleagues, my friends and family members, even the more. And because I started understanding it, I started understanding how to um, adjust accordingly. And it helped me to improve, I believe, improve my personality for my ability to be more um, open <laughs> and agreeable to, to people on either side of the spectrum. So that, that brings us to the A part of ocean, which is agreeableness. And that's how friendly and compassionate you are uh, versus how challenging or detached you may be. And I know that I I do have a high agreeableness and and the like, but I can also be very challenging. (laughs) And so it makes it where, hmm, at this, you know, at this juncture, I want to say that if you're going through this, this big five personality traits model, understand that you can have different unique mixes of these traits within these five core. And just because you're friendly does not necessarily mean you're compassionate. And just because you're compassionate uh, doesn't mean that you can't be detached. I know many people that if it's something that they care about, then they're compassionate. But everything else, devil may care. They are not 
feeling it, they are not going to expend energy for it. It's almost like you look at them and you're like, so you you can do what you want with, with all this stuff for what you want, but you can't do it for anything that anybody else wants. And so it was freeing to start looking at it and understanding that, oh, okay, we can have various um, mixes of these personality traits. And then good old neuroticism. Mm, yes, indeed. So neuroticism is is how sensitive or nervous you are versus how secure and confident you are. And I know a lot of nervous but confident people. Mm-hmm. I, I and, and it seems like it would be a oxymoron, but it's not. It's it's not, not oxymoron, but it, it, uh, an anomaly. Forgive me. It is. Not because there are a lot of people that by nature are nurture. They are very confident in what they know, but they are nervous about sharing it with others that maybe seem to be more outgoing or more aggressive or whatever. And so don't take these just at, you know, face value. Understand that you can be a delightfully unique, complex even, assortment of these different factors. But it's time. While you have the time off, start to explore it. Start to look at how can you shore up what you need to know about yourself. One of the saddest things I think that I've ever experienced is having a big hole in my my person that other people could see and I couldn't. Being blinded to the point where someone else was able, if they were so determined, to pull my strings and make me dance like a puppet for their enjoyment simply because they could see what I was blind to about me. And there is an entire industry that does this and we accept it. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that mm, (laughs) I think we would do a lot better to take the time to shore up our personalities and to understand the true constitution and makeup of who we are as beings. And that industry is marketing. Marketing does not necessarily try to sell you things. Marketing tries to understand you so that they can get you to be either inspired, motivated, or manipulated to make the decision to buy the things they want you to. Um, <laughs> and. I say this tongue in cheek, but in my undergrad, I I majored in marketing and um, as part of working for myself for years, I've had to become fairly proficient at marketing. And so I know this to be true. And the thing, there's a saying that goes that if you do your marketing well, you'll never have to ever make a sale because your marketing will make sure that people uh, give you money. (laughs) And um. It's a fine razor blade's edge of falling off on either side that can't be good. But it is because so many people, and it's not that they're trying not to, but so many people, they just don't have the usual bandwidth or time to do the work that it takes to get to know yourself. But you do now. The average person does. Um, And so it's a great time to take advantage of this. And so those are the five big personality traits that are usually agreed upon. And they are components that are used in a lot of personality profiles and the like. So I want to quickly talk about um, some social sexual um, personality 
points. Now, I'm not talking about the sexual personality that has uh, been stated, like, you know, the 11 types of how you give and receive um, love and intercourse and all of that. No, I'm talking about the social sexual uh, personality. And I've mentioned this before. And this one's pretty easy because there's just two. (laughs) And it was actually... uh, put together by a doctor out of uh, California back in the 1970s when he was doing clinical hypnotherapy and started recognizing certain traits about himself and others, especially when he was dealing with people about who they presented as, meaning their personality or their public persona, and how they interacted with people around them. And he discovered that a lot of people took on the personality leanings of the opposing parent to the mother. And the reason why was because whoever the mother gave attention to was um, how the child would mimic so that they could get attention from the mother as well. Now, traditionally, it was denoted as being the father. But in some families, it wasn't necessarily the father. It could be another aunt. It could be a wife to a wife. It could be whatever, but whoever the opposing person was, that's who the child in their formative years unknowingly, uh, unconsciously would mimic so that they too could have that interaction, that loving interaction with the mom. And he discovered that For the most part, not not always, but for the most part, there were two types of people. And thus, it kind of gave credence to, you know, opposites attract. So on the one hand, you had people that were called physicals. And on the other hand, you had people who were called emotionals. Now, your physicals are going to be people who are very comfortable in their bodies and they are clearly and quickly able to tell what is going on with them when it comes to their emotions. Oh, they know if they're if they're uh, angry or hurt or happy or in love or uh, regretful, jealous. They know it, and they can quickly articulate it. And the way they matriculate is they matriculate through the feeling of their body to express their emotions. They tend to love group work and. A lot of times they can be considered extroverted. Um, Group activities include group sports. Like they're going to be the person who would love to be on a a dodgeball team, (laughs) you know. And they, when they gather, they love to gather in parties, whether they go to uh, an outing or a club or whatever, they're going to like to do that. And they're really interested in their appearance because their appearance is going to be what ingratiates them to others when you first meet them. So very, very much, you know, solid in their appearance. On the other side are the emotionals. And this term usually throws people off Because emotionals can appear to be, yep, distant, closed, detached, cold, and they don't tend to show a lot of emotion. But the reason why they're called emotionals is because unlike the physicals who can feel accurately what they're feeling in their bodies, emotionals tend to not. They tend to feel it in their minds and they do a lot of processing mentally to try to figure out what do I feel? And for emotionals, 
they are great chameleons. And the reason why is because up until about the age of 25, they have learned that everybody must behave like a physical if you're going to attract a mate. But lo and behold, around 25 to 30-ish, when you're really starting to become an adult, that true nature starts to emerge. And uh, there have been a lot of people who may have been physical, I mean, emotionals as well, who feel duped when their partner or the person that they thought they knew turns into this aloof person who needs their quiet time to decompress and They shut down when you have a highly explosive or an emotional conversation because they say they need time to get away. And emotionals, you can usually tell an emotional if when there is something uh, that's emotionally charged, they either can't think or they can't feel or they shut down and they go take a drive or they get away from the situation. And then you're like in your car like, and this is what I should have said. And I should have did this and I should because now you can figure out what you're feeling, what's going on with you. But it's, and God help you, if you are with a physical who is able to definitely know what they feel because they can tell you off, shred you up, throw you out, pick you back up, resurrect you and do it again before you can even figure out what has happened. And so when you can start to figure that out, It's time for you to work on that part of your personality. See your traits. See who you've been attracting. See if you've been sending out mixed signals and learning how to be more of yourself. And the last part I want to talk about is interacting on a romantic level. And that is the paradox of choice that everyone feels. You know, poor millennials have been getting a bad rap for ghosting and love bombing and all of this. But it's not necessarily just one age group or generation. It's everybody. And because we live in a society where now there are no boundaries, there are no languages, cultures or anything that prevents us from seeking out people for romantic interaction. And because we all have these abilities to get online and use dating apps and um, all of that. And let me just say, fidelities don't care or don't matter either. You know, they've got sites whether you want to admit you're married or if you don't. So when you always have another choice, it's harder to accept and uh, to stick with one because you're always feeling like maybe in the back of your mind, I can double up. I can, I can do better. I can, I can get something else because there are possibly just one click away. And so we've relegated our personalities uh, when, when it comes to romance to being dictated by the same hormonal needs that gamblers uh, have because there's that dopamine, serotonin, a cycle that we're constantly going through of anticipation and satisfaction and trying to always get a bigger high. And so today, it is harder for people to be satisfied. The least little thing that happens, whether it be you have a disagreement or one day you look up and they're not as fascinating and as, as interesting as you thought they were yesterday, it gives people the ability to just leave and go start something new. And so in our trail, we started to have a lot of abandonment of relationships. And that starts to take a toll on your personality because you do become 
uh, more vapid. You do become more shallow and surface. You do either become um, the optimistic who is flighty and always ready to move to the next one, or you become that abandoned, hurt soul who, if anybody smiles at you, you've latched onto them and escalated the relationship uh, too fast, too soon. And so now that we are forced to be inside, it's starting to show. There are people who are willing to risk their lives for somebody to come and snuggle with them. And at first I thought it was just about the sex. Nope, it's not. It's about the fact that there are gaping holes in our personalities that we would do well to shore up and take this time that wisdom has granted us to work on that. So really quickly, how to start working on them. The first thing I want you to do is to start keeping a journal. And once you keep a journal and start writing down all the things that upset you about your relationships or your lack thereof or um, anything that comes up, meditate on it and then start to have the hard conversations. Uh, Another thing is to start to love how to properly confront because people, the, the lost art of true confrontation and conversation and discussion is an area that we would all do well to up our skills in. One of the best things you can do is to understand that when you confront an issue that either you're exhibiting or that someone else is exhibiting and understand that it is not because of anger that you want to confront this, but because of the desire to continue to grow with this person, you're going to be amazed at what you learn. And it's going to temper your tact so that you don't become accusatory, that you can remember to use your I words. I feel this way. I might have misconstrued this. I might have misunderstood. So you put the onus on yourself to discuss it with that person instead of accusing them because they can't, to the best of my knowledge, nobody can read your mind. Nobody knows exactly how you are or who you are because you are an involving being. And then the next thing, after you learn how to confront and discuss, be willing to step outside of yourself to be more objective, to see what you bring to the table. You know, it's always been said that we judge. I mean, we when we are using our intentions, we are pure, but we instead of other people's intentions, we always judge them on their actions. Don't be so quick to think that someone knowingly did something to hurt you, impugn you or whatever. Just because you think that they should know you by now does not mean they do. You have to take it upon yourself to teach and train in love. Your, the people around you, whether they be friends, family, co-workers or the like, on how to interact with you. And in doing so, ingratiate yourself and humble yourself to be more accommodating. Using those five personality traits, you know, the ocean, understanding your social sexual personality and being willing to submit to what other people have to say about your shortcomings and what they have to say about the holes in your personality that you might not be able to understand. And so I know this is not as deep as I'd like to go, but I am hoping that just by waking up to do these things and and using them and growing them, that when you emerge and you come back out, you will be all the better for it. You'll be more attractive to people because your personality will have had a great and wonderful update.
So guess what? Yep, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Smiley, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.